I want to share, I want to talk a little bit this morning just before I preach. I want to share my heart on a little bit before I really get into preaching today. I got to talk to you as a spiritual father. I got to talk to you as a shepherd. There's much discussion in our nation right now on the national level and on the state level and on the local level. Words like this, what do we need to do to prepare to reopen the doors of America, to reopen our economy, to reopen our businesses, to reopen our jobs and our way of life. And that's a conversation that I wholeheartedly believe needs to be happening right now. We need to begin to believe God and begin to declare that this economy, this nation, and the world in which we live will begin to slowly but surely, whatever steps they take, whatever steps that needs to be taken to assure our safety and so forth can be done. But we need to be moving towards reopening our country. I wish I could get somebody to say amen. But we need to do it safely. Don't twist my words. But as I'm hearing that, I begin to think about something this week. I begin to think about there's a lot of discussion of what it's going to look like when we reopen America, reopen the economy, and reopen our jobs, our schools, and so forth, but not much discussion about when we reopen the local church. Are y'all hearing me? Well, the church needs to understand that they don't need to get used to what we are doing right now as the new normal. You don't need to get to enjoy this so much that you make a decision that this is how you're going to do church from now on. Let me tell you something. Just like you're going to go back to work, just like the businesses are going to open up again and I can finally get a haircut again. Are y'all hearing me? Just like all this stuff is going to open back up again. Oh, I'm excited sooner rather than later. I'm not going to be preaching to a bunch of empty pews. There are going to be people in this house and we're going to worship together in this house and we're going to be the church together. Not just in this building. Because I know you don't need a building to be the church. But there's a reason why Jesus told them to go tarry into Jerusalem and gather. The church was began in a group. Are you hearing me? It wasn't just spread all over the world. It was touched upon a group of 120 in an upper room. They were gathered together. They were worshiping together. They were praising God together. And that's when the Holy Spirit fell. And that's when the church began. In a group setting. And the Bible says they came out of that upper room and they, they continued daily going into the temple. This is what it says in the book of Acts. And breaking bread from house to house. So they had a model that they understood. They still went to church. They still went to temple. They still went and worshiped corporately together. Prayed together. But then they also understood that the way we disciple each other and the way we grow stronger to is, is to spend time together and to pour into each other outside of the local church building. Are you with me, church? When this is over, somebody shout, when this is over. Not if it ever is over. 
How many of those don't, don't fall asleep and don't get lulled into the trap of thinking that? It is going to be over, and we are going to be able to, to carry on in our life. So somebody say, when this is over. Let me tell you something. When this is over, we're going to have a story to tell, y'all. We're going to have a story to tell our children. We're going to have a story to tell our grandchildren. My question to you is this. What will your story be? Mm -hmm. What will your kids remember about you during this time? If they're old enough to comprehend that you are their father or you are their mother and you can have conversations with, the, with them and they can see the stress of the situation. I'm telling you right now, there are things, there are grooves being cut in their brain about how the people that they are trusting in their lives to protect them is reacting to this situation. So what will your story be? Better yet, what will their story be? What will your kids say about how it, how it happened in your house? When they tell their kids or when they tell their grandkids about the great shutdown of the whole world's economy, when we, for the first time in the history of the body of Christ, were told that we could not worship corporately together, what will that be? Will they have memories of you making sure that you continue to worship God as a family? Will they have memories of you making sure that you were a giver, that you taught your kids that no matter what the economic situation of our life is, we are going to give in this house? What will that story be? See, Peter said, this promise is for you. For your children and for your children's children, as for as many as the Lord God calls. Listen, you're building a legacy now. There's a story being written right now. Will your story be, listen to me, I hope this is not your story, when you got so frustrated with God, so angry with God, and so many questions with God, how could God, how could a loving God let this happen, blah, 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 what everybody says at every disaster, will this be when you checked out of your faith? Will you see, will you allow the enemy to tell you that just because it seemed like online church worked so well for so many that there's really not a need anymore for a building, so you're now going to be a part of an online church for the rest of your life. You're now going to be a part of, of the body of Christ in general is usually what a cop-out statement is, meaning I don't want to commit to serving anywhere, meaning I don't want to commit to giving anywhere, Maybe meaning I don't want to commit to teach my family that there's something special about getting up. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Will your story be a, a, a story where you were blown over by the storm? Or will your story be one that your kids watched you bend but not break, grow higher and stronger? Will your story be one of a stronger faith when you come out, of a stronger commitment? What will your story be? What will it look like when we begin to roll out and reopen the local church. Now, notice I didn't say reopen the church because the church is never closed. Amen? I'm talking about the local church that has been the center of communities for thousands of years and for generations. Huh? 
Oh, I know some people have abused it. I know some people have turned it into personal empires and kingdoms and made it all about the preacher and not about the mission, but they're not all that way. Listen, you're finding out the true churches here. Those that's made it all about the man, they're not seeing success during this. But the churches that are truly family, the churches that truly love God and love each other, they're connecting more and being more intentional to stay in touch with each other than they ever have. Oh, my goodness, y'all know my pastor, Pastor Frankie Powell. But you also know my bishop, Bishop Clint Brown. I was watching him this morning. Some of you may have watched him. If not, you need to go back and watch his live stream. And he was preaching on, a, on the pandemic. He said, here's the difference from house to house. Is this a panic pandemic? Or are we going to turn it into a praise pandemic? Come on, somebody. See, a pandemic is contagious. A pandemic, they call it a pandemic because it has reached pan, meaning country to country, continent to continent. It's become a worldwide infection. He said, how about this? In the middle of a panic pandemic that we raise up a praise pandemic to where praise starts infecting our community. Praise starts infecting our city. Praise starts infecting our States and our nation and our continent and our world. How about we come out of this with a praise pandemic? Woo! I'm gonna preach. I'm just talking to you right now. See, we have to refocus as we reopen the local church to understand we must continue what has happened. What has been happening? What has been happening is called house hold ministry. You have been forced to be intentional to turn your home into the house of God. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. And what's going to happen if you're not careful is when these doors open back up in your local church, if you go to another church, it opens back up, and you can start going on Sunday morning. You, if you're not careful, you will forget the, the foundations that God is trying to, be, to build in your home right now, and your home will go right back to the way it used to be. And the only place that your family will understand worship and the only place that your family will understand praise and power and faith is going to be in a local church building. But I'm telling you as a pastor of a local church building I pray to God that you do not look at this place as the only place that a miracle can be sustained I want you to continue to believe that your kitchen is just as powerful as this altar come on that your living room is a place of praise just like this stage so when we reopen the local church don't close the doors of the home church are y'all hearing me? We got first-time visitors every week that's visiting us in the online campus. Well, I know it don't make sense for you to even think about driving or flying. Some of y'all are different places. You wouldn't even drive to church. You have to fly to church. You need to find you a local church in the community. We're praying that God does that for you. If you can't find one, just stay with us until you can. 
but for those that are in, in, in the Birmingham area in a driving distance, we have people that drive every Sunday an hour drive to get to the house of church, the old house of God. The whole the old statement was a church alive is worth the drive. Come on, somebody. So I'm telling you, start getting excited. Start preparing your family. I know one thing. Man, we've enjoyed watching this, this church service on our TV screen, on our TVs, on our smartphone screen. But when the doors of the old, of the local church is reopened, we're going. We're getting involved. We're going to connect. We're going to do life together. Now, I've been pastoring this church for over 25 years. I've been in the ministry for 30 years. I've taught many things over these years, things that are important, things that you need to get deep in your spirit. But some things that I've taught seem to stick with me as I don't want to call it more important because the Bible is the Bible, but to me seems to be what would be in a column of essentials. Some can be a matter of life and death. Let me tell you something. One of those things is you've got to learn how discipled. You've got to learn how in the midst of a storm and an attack, to be able to have roots like a tree that go deep within the ground that can sustain you. Because I got news for you. This ain't the last storm that's coming. If you're breathing, the devil hates your guts if you're a believer. He's going to relentlessly come after you after attack, after attack, after attack, after attack. And you can grow bitter or you can grow better. It's up to you. Last week on Easter Sunday morning, right towards the end of this message, began to rumble. We could hear in, this, in, the, in the city of Birmingham, Alabama, I could look through the, through the doors and I could see it, but it grew dark. Winds. You could hear the thunder. You could hear the rain hitting the roof. And by the end of that day on Easter Sunday one week ago, many people had lost their lives across the south, coming from Texas all the way into Alabama and beyond. Trees were down everywhere. People were without power. Our power went out. By the time I got home Sunday, power was out. It stayed out until Wednesday. We lost everything in our refrigerator. We lost all of our food. Had to be thought to be thrown out. But that's nothing compared to what some people had to go through. So we didn't complain about that. We just said, God, there's nothing but, but, a, but a few things that we can, we can replace. And if we can't replace it, we'll do without it. But I'm telling you, as you drove through your community, wherever you're at, if you're a part of that storm, you saw trees down everywhere. You saw them laying on power lines. You saw some of them were snapped. But most of them, the root ball and everything came up. The tree just sort of laid over on its side. Communities and streets were in ruins. No power. Families, can you turn that down, please? Families being uprooted. Families having to rebuild where their, where their lives were. Listen, I'm talking about trees laying on top of people's houses. But you know what was common more than anything? Certain types of trees were laying down where other types of trees were still standing strong.
Now, don't get me wrong. I know trees of all kinds fell. But listen, I don't know how you feel about pine trees. I love the way they look, but I'm telling you, pine trees are my least favorite trees because when storms come, pine trees seem to be the first to go. It is not because of how high they are. It is not even because of how, uh, how deep and how uh, the circumference of their trunks are. Many of them fall simply because of the root system of the pine trees. Now, I had some oaks, some oaks came down in, in, on my property as well, but most of the oaks and most of the, what they call the hardwoods stood. But many of those that are not a part of what they call the hardwoods did not survive. Many of the drying up trees, many of those that were, that were rotten, broke as well. I want you to think about this. The majority of the trees that did not survive that storm, please understand, not all, but the majority of the trees that did not survive that storm were trees whose root bed does not go deep and trees who had received decay, had been infected by an outside attack, whether it be bugs, beetles, or disease, and their trunks and, their, and the tree itself was rotten. Its days were numbered. Are you hearing me? But the healthy trees, for the most part, stood. They may have lost a few limbs, but they made it. I'm telling you, when things happen like what's happening right now, it will reveal your root system. It will reveal if you have been infected by some kind of disease that has been eating away at the strength of your family and eating away at the strength of your marriage, your children, your finances. The deeper your roots go, the stronger you will be in the face of any attack and storms of life. When the Bible says when we are discipled, we, our roots grow deep. Somebody shout disciple. To teach the people to have roots in their faith is to teach them to be discipled. Let me tell you something about your roots, and I'm going to read a scripture. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. And Jesus came and spoke to them about, this is about being discipled. All authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. This is a command from Jesus just before he is about to leave this earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you even unto the end of the age. I want you to know something. You will know and you will sense that the Lord is still with you in the midst of an attack if you have allowed yourself to be taught the principles of the Word of God and that your faith has become a root that grows deep. Oh, my God, do you hear me? Growing deep even into the world in which we've been told to live exist in. We're in this world, we'll be or not of this world. One day we'll be with the Lord and we won't have to deal with the curse. But we still have to deal with the curse today. We still have to deal with a, with a devil. We still have to deal with sin. We still have to deal with sickness. We still have to deal with attack. The devil hates your guts. You're going to be hit storm after storm after storm. You better have some roots. 
You better have some roots. Look at somebody in your house right now and tell them, you better have some roots. Let me tell you something about roots. When you're discipled, you grow roots. When you are taught the word of God, when you're a part of a church, that's why it says that we assemble together. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers are placed within the local body to equip you, to teach you for the work of the ministry, to prepare you so that when attack comes, my God, you'll be able to withstand the attack. Somebody shout right there where they're at. I got deep roots and I'm going to make it. Ooh, some of y'all need to give me some, some hearts and some love right now, some thumbs up, some fist bumps. Some of y'all, some of y'all need to get excited online. Shout me down. Let me tell you something about your roots. Your roots feed you, hydrate you. They feed you and they hydrate you, but they also keep you in the storm. See, one sign of a strong disciple is that they're deeply rooted in God's Word in their relationship with Him. When you are rooted in a local church, find you a church to set some roots down in. When you put some roots down in a vision, come up under a pastor and connect to that vision. When you are rooted, some of y'all need to write this down, when you are rooted, you are not easily uprooted. Huh? When you are rooted, you're not easily uprooted. This is a problem in the American church. There's a term in the American church and probably around the world too. It's called church hoppers. Huh? They hop from church to church. See, when you're rooted, the pastor can say something that you, don't dis that you disagree with and you stay. I thought I'd get something on the keyboard on that one, brother. Come on. Huh? Huh? You actually stay. Huh? How about this? How about somebody in the church hurts your feelings and doesn't shake your hand, and quite frankly, you don't even really like them, and they don't even really like you. Now, we're supposed to love each other. Don't mean you got to like everybody. And you can feel it, but you actually don't leave the church. What a concept. Huh? See, you don't leave because you're rooted. It's a major problem. Church hoppers. Hopping around like a bunny rabbit. Oh, by the way, when you're deeply rooted and God, see, this, this is what people say all the time. You know what? I just feel like this, the Lord has told me it's time for me to move on. The Lord has told me it's time for me to find another church. The Lord has told me it's time. My time there is done. The Lord has told me that uh, I'm not getting fed anymore. I need to go somewhere I can get fed. I know that there is always the minute situation where that's the case. But most of the time when you hear somebody say, well, I can't really explain it, but I just feel like the Lord's telling me my time is gone, it's because they are leaving under a fence, hurt, they didn't get their way. They suggested something, and the pastor said either no or not right now. Or somebody else got the position that they were wanting to get. And now the Lord has told them it's time for them to find another place. But it sure is strange to me that many times when that happens, you ask them, well, where has the Lord told you to go? If he told you to leave here, because surely he's got a place for you to put roots down. Surely he's got a pastor for you to come up under, because he'd never tell you to leave the one that you were rooted in. But now you got to go somewhere else. Most of the time, your answer is, "Well, we don't know. We're just gonna, we're gonna, 
They don't say these words, but they mean, we're going to shop around. We're going we're gonna, to we're shop around, and we're going to browse, and we're going to watch a few online services and see which one makes us feel good, and we might stick our big toe in it, dip our, dip our toe in it, and maybe six months from now we're going to find us a church. Let me tell you something. If the Lord's told you to leave, he's told you to leave right. Because let me tell you something. A tree doesn't always have to grow in the same place. Don't get me wrong. I don't think everybody that comes to this church is going to stay at this church. But if you don't properly dig that tree up at the right time, you can't take it somewhere else and replant it, replant it and expect it to continue to live. Are y'all hearing me, church? There is a way for you to move a tree from one place to the next, but there is a right season to do it, and there's a right way to do it. God, I'm preaching good this morning. That's why the devil didn't want this going out, because some of y'all done thinking about uprooting, and now devil, the devil done be shut up, and the Holy Ghost is convicting you, telling you, you ain't going nowhere, honey. See, well, Pastor, I love you. I love you. Nothing against you. Nothing against Pastor Sandy. I love y'all. Love y'all to death. Love, love the church. The praise team's amazing. The church is just love and, and the children's mission. It's just everything. It's just, I just love y'all. But um, I don't know. I just don't feel like I'm growing anymore like I used to. Just something's different. Well, let me give you a statement. Stunted growth is a byproduct of shallow roots. If you ain't growing, it ain't because, what's that super grow stuff called? Miracle grow. It ain't because miracle grow ain't being poured on you in here. Huh? Miracle grow is in this house. It will grow miraculously in you. I've watched people get saved on a Sunday, and by the next Sunday, spiritually, they're deeper and more on fire for God than some people that's been going to church for 10 years. Huh? It ain't about whether the preacher is feeding you or not. It is about are you receiving or not. Are y'all with me, church? Huh? Psalm chapter 1. Verse 1 says this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the paths of sinners, nor sits at the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law, in his law he meditates day and night. Watch this. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Next statement. But the ungodly are not so. Well, in other words, if you, are st if you put some roots down, if you, if you delight yourselves in the law of the Lord, if you meditate on it day and night, your tree, you're going to be like a tree planted by a constant nourishment of water. You're going to bring forth your fruit in due season. Your leaves will not wither, and you will prosper with everything your hands touch. But if you don't do that, you're going to be planted in a desert, you're going to be, your fruit is going to keep falling off before it's time to eat. Your leaves are going to look like they're dead all the time. And everything your hands touch will fall apart. 
The only difference is where you are rooted. Huh? Let me tell you something. You have the best seed in the world. You go plant seeds in the middle of the, uh, of the Sahara Desert, it ain't going to grow like it's going to grow in, the, in, in, in some fertile topsoil garden that you've built in your backyard that's been fertilized and developed to grow things. That's the same seed, but it matters where you put it down and where you put the roots down. Well, I'm preaching good. See, if you want to grow deep and grow strong, let me tell you, let me tell you what decides where you are rooted and how, and how you are rooted. You don't get to plant yourself let me, put, let, me, let me back it up. Let me back it up. You plant yourself, but you don't get to grow yourself. The way you grow is by who you allow to water you and who you allow to feed you. Do you understand right now I'm feeding you? I ain't feeding you. I ain't got nothing against uh, the milk, uh, the bottle for a little baby. I'm talking about I'm feeding you a steak right now. I'm feeding you good right now. Listen, if you ain't eating good right now, it ain't because you ain't been served good. Because you are being served the Word of God. The water of the Word is watering you. You are being nourished. You are being fed. And if you receive this correctly, you will grow. Your, growth, your roots will grow deep and the tree will grow high. But if you're letting people speak into your life that are negative, that are con condemning, condescending, I call them the giant sucking sound people. When they come in the room, you can hear a giant sucking sound. They're sucking the life out of the room. Like a shop vac. They're a spiritual shop vac, man. You, you know who I'm talking about. You stand there laughing, cutting up, everybody feeling good, and you see them coming, and one of y'all, you either say it or you think it, oh, Lord. Everything changes. You have to start mentally preparing yourself for what you're about to hear. Am I preaching right? Huh? But you're listening. I'm not saying you can't love them and be them for them, be there for them. But you can't hang out with them. You can't let your life grow in that environment. My God, I'm preaching good. Listen, if your marriage is in trouble, don't go get advice from somebody whose marriage is falling apart. Huh? Or who don't know how to keep a marriage together. Go find somebody. They might not be the sexiest looking couple. They might not be living in the finest house. They might not have all the things that you consider, consider successful, but they've been married for 30 and 40 and 50 years, and they still hold hands, and they don't hate each other's guts. They still love each other. Maybe they're not the most eloquent. Maybe they're not the most uh, dignified people to sit across a table and give you advice and three points in a poem. But they can help you nourish and help give you some principles on how to survive the storm. Marriages are under attack like never before. Families are under attack like never before. Children are breaking. Children are being uprooted from their families. Marriages are crumbling because they don't have roots. Huh? I mean, when I first was, got engaged... People start giving you advice. The moment you start dating and somebody finds out you're going to get married, they will give you all kinds of advice. And they don't ever stop, by the way. They'll give you advice all the way from when you get married. As soon as you get married, you ain't, you ain't even back from your honeymoon yet. They're already asking you when you're going to have kids. 
As soon as you have a kid, they're going to ask you when you're going to have another one. They're always trying to give you advice. One of the ones that, that I got when I first got engaged was, listen, son, you got to understand something. Marriage is a 50-50 thing. If you're going to make it work, it's a 50-50 thing. So I started, I got fed by that. I started thinking it's a 50-50 thing. Right before I got married, I'll never forget, I was talking to this gentleman in our church. He was giving me some advice. And I said, yeah, yeah, I know. Everybody keeps telling me that marriage is a 50-50 thing. Now watch this. If I would have allowed that to water me, I might my marriage might have ended like so many others. Because thank God for this wise man who was, who was country, who, who had no college degree, but had been married for, I don't know, 50 years. He looked at me and he said, son, I don't know who told you that lie. And I was like, what? How, how can it not be a 50-50 thing? He said, listen, as long as anything is 50-50, that means nobody wins. <laughs> Come on. He said, he said, that means it's a perpetual fight. He said, at the very least... Marriage is a 60-40. And he said, if it's anything like my marriage, it's usually about an 80-20. And he said, you can figure out who was the 80 and who was the 20. Later on, my pastor told me, he said, let me give you a little bit of advice about marriage. He said, all of our marriage, me and my wife, we had an understanding that she would allow me to make the decisions on all, or she would make the decisions on all of the small things and because I'm the spiritual head, she would allow me to make the decisions on all the big things. And he said, I praise God for this. After all these years, we've never faced anything big, a big attack since we've been married. But we've stayed together. So I butchered that joke, but it was supposed to be funny. But 60-40 at least, it's not just a give and take. Sometimes it's really... Even when you're right, you got to admit and take the brunt for the sake of the cause so that the tree stands and it doesn't break. Are you hearing me, church? See, he says you'll be like a tree planted. Somebody shout planted. See, that's the key. Don't hop into the local church. Plant yourself. Listen, you might have to take a little time before you find out who you're going to hook your wagon up to. But when you find out you go, who you're going to hook your wagon up to, what I mean by that, God doesn't promise you that he'll lead you to a local church. But he does promise in the book of Jeremiah that he will lead you to a shepherd. And when he leads you to a shepherd, he says, if you allow that shepherd, that shepherd will feed you. So when you find that shepherd, when you find that house, hook your wagon up, put you some roots down. And understand that as soon as you put roots down, the first storm that comes, you're probably not going to be able to make it on your own. You need to make sure you put your roots down by somebody in, in the midst of a forest of strong trees. This is what I love about my church. It's a forest of strong trees. There's people that sit in every one of these sections when we have people here. Now, I love all my people, don't get me wrong. And I'm not saying anybody's better than anybody else. But there are certain strong trees in every section, section of this place. Many of them over the years, I've went up and told them this. And they know this. And it's not to, for them to know, and they know, they know that I'm not trying to tell them that they're chosen and nobody else is. 
But when I'm struggling up here, when I can feel the enemy attacking me, trying to, to take my mind in places it shouldn't be, I've got certain people that I'll come over and I'll stand on the corner of the platform and I'll look at them and they know what I'm doing and they, they shout me down or they look at me, they point their finger at me. What they're trying to tell me is I got you, Pastor. I got you. I feel you, Pastor. I'm holding you up. I'm holding you up. When I feel like I'm about to fall apart, I make sure. When, when I feel like I'm being attacked by a, a, a storm, that my roots are not deep enough, let me tell you something. I'll lean up against another tree that's made it through that storm before. Woo, it's good preaching. See, that's why you can't do, you can't do life on your own. I don't care how strong you are. I don't care how full of the Word of God you are. I don't care how Holy Ghost anointed you think you are. Let me tell you something. There is a storm coming that you're going to need a forest to protect you. Woo! Can somebody help me preach? You'll be like a tree planted by a river. Not a pond. Not even a lake. But a river. A river flows. You need to be planted deep on the banks of something that is moving. Oh, come on, are y'all hearing me? Mm. A pond has to be fed or it dies. Even a lake can go up and down and eventually dry up. But a river, especially a river like the mighty Mississippi, I tell you right now, the Mississippi's been low and the Mississippi's flooded. But as far as I know, there's no human being that's ever seen the Mississippi River stop flowing, no matter what kind of drought this nation was in. Why? Because the Mississippi is a river that takes in smaller rivers and streams from all over the continent of, the no of North America, starting way up in Canada, flows all the way down into the Gulf. Let me tell you something. You, you got to be a part. You got to be planted next to a, to a river that's not only flowing, but a river that's not made it all about themselves, but still understands no matter how long they've been doing it, they still need to be fed themselves. Oh, y'all ain't hearing me. See, let me tell you something. I've been doing this thing long enough that if I wanted to in the natural, I could say I don't need nobody. I, I, know, what, I know how to do this thing. Frontwards and backwards, I can work a crowd, motivate a crowd, pump a crowd. I can open up an old phone book and preach a phone book and have people shout. I know what I do. I know how I know how to do this. But I don't ever want to be somebody that just goes on experience I, because I will dry up. The flow that's in me, I still need to be fed by my bishop. I still need to be fed by my pastor. I still need to watch podcasts every week. I still need to watch YouTube videos every week. I get up on in the morning and I put preaching on. I put worship on. I, I, I tell you, I put it in my ears when I'm cutting grass. I still need to be fed. Because if I'm going to feed you, i got to be fed. If I expect you to be strong and your, deep, your roots to go deep, i got to be strong and my roots have got to go deep. you got a pastor who is fed from rivers all over this world. See, it says that when you're planted and your roots go deep, You'll bring your, your fruit forth in its season. How many knows that every fruit has a due season? An apple has a perfect time where it tastes perfect. 
It is as juicy and perfect as God ever designed it to be. Now watch this. you got to get this. In every life of every apple, there are two lives going on, two journeys. There is the journey from the seed to conception of the, of the thought that an apple is coming forth, growing, 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 growing. Then there is a point that's called the perfect due season. And from that point of perfect due season, there's another journey in that apple's life. It's called the journey to death and decay. So everything is building towards the perfect time to eat it. But if you miss that moment and don't pull it off the tree and eat it at that moment, and it's hard to tell when that moment is, but inside that apple, that apple knows it's that moment. But when that apple misses, oh, you can still pick it. You can still eat it. It still might be pretty good. But you may never know just how good it could have been because now it's on the backside of due season, and now it's moving towards decay. I'm going to tell you something. I have missed my due season many times in my life. I could sense it. I could feel it. I could feel my miracle just about to, to, to manifest that thing that I prayed for, that, that miracle that I believed God for. I could taste it. I was almost there. But then it was just like clockwork. I should have known better. We should know better. But we're human. We're hit by an unexpected storm, an unexpected hurricane, an unexpected tornado, a pandemic, sickness, loss of job. Uh, somebody running away from home, attack, unfaithfulness in the marriage, or something else. And I'm knocked off my game just enough to pass my due season. I try to pick it again, and it's still there, but it tastes a little rotten. But I've also tried to get ahead of God, and I've tried to pick it because I was too scared to lose it and miss it again. And I eat it, and it's bitter because it's raw, and it's not where it needs to be. God said, listen to me. I know your due season in every phase of your life. All I ask of you is this. Plant yourself by the rivers of living water. Praise me. Just do nothing but keep growing, growing higher and growing deeper. And I'll let your fruit throughout your life begin to manifest in its due season. Are y'all hearing me? Is this good preaching? There's a time and season for everything. Ecclesiastes tells us that. Most of us miss it. Listen, I want to read this to you and I'm closing. But I want you to hear this. I got to read this from the message. Same passage but from the message translation. Listen. Verse 1 from the message, Psalm 1. How well God must like you. You don't hang out at the sin saloon. <laughs> you don't slink along dead-end roads. You don't go to smart mouth college. <laughs> Instead, you thrill to God's Word. 
You chew on Scripture day and night. You're a tree. Oh, I love this. Replanted in Eden. Oh, did you hear that? Bearing fruit, fresh fruit every month. Never dropping a leaf, always in blossom. You're not at all like the wicked who were near were mere windblown dust without defense in court, unfit company for innocent people. God charts the road you take. The road they take is skid row. Woo! I'm telling you right now, there is a choice, man. You get to decide who feeds you. Make sure you're being fed. Miracle grow. Somebody shout, I'm going to be rooted in the middle of a pandemic. Oh, come on. I'm talking about, I'm going to be a part of a praise pandemic. Hallelujah. Look at what Paul said about being rooted. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, and you therefore have received Christ Jesus, the Lord. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught abounding in it with thanksgiving beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ Paul says when you walk in the Lord you are rooted. Oh, listen, that's what he said. Rooted and built up in him and established in your faith as you have been taught. Let me read the message to you on that too. I love this. I'll just read a portion of it. It says, you're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now, do what you have been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. And let your living spill over into thanksgiving. Woo! School's out. The world is watching us. What is the church going to look like when the doors of the church, the local church, are opened again? Will we be afraid to go to the house of God? Will we be afraid to come close to somebody? Think about what I'm saying. I'm not telling you to make a decision that you don't feel comfortable with, but think big picture. Let's think. I'm not talking about the first time you come to church. I'm not talking about the first suggestion that is given by our government of how we should worship together and all this. Listen, we want to obey the rules over us in, in, the, in the Lord. But watch this. You can't let the world dictate to you what the church is going to look like. Oh, yeah, that might give me flag right there. The church existed long before America, long before Europe, the church existed and was birthed while they were worshiping together. 
and it's going to happen again. But what will we look like? Will we look like a bunch of broken, mangled, uprooted trees barely surviving? Some of us will. And that's okay because our roots were not that deep. But us, the others, that their roots, roots are deeper, have got to be ready to help them. Let me close by saying this. If you read my book, I See Greatness in You, then you know I got a chapter that talks about the redwood trees. It's one of the most life-changing experiences of my life. When I was in the 10th grade, and I walked into the redwood forest of Northern California. I had heard about them. I had seen pictures of them. But until you've seen them yourself, you can't understand. You can't understand the magnitude of these trees. These trees are the size of skyscrapers, the height of skyscrapers. They're the width of some small homes. The redwoods are incredible. They estimate the youngest thriving one that's been there for a long time is roughly 2,000 years old. Some of them two, three, four thousand years old trees. I saw them and they changed, they changed my life. I, I said, I had no thought of getting married at that time, but I said it one, one day, I want to get married and take my wife and my family here. It's still on my bucket list. I've not been able to do it yet. But as I was researching a sermon series called Rooted years ago, I thought of those redwoods. And I thought, I need to learn a little bit about them because I was preaching on being rooted. And I thought, surely the tallest trees in the world are also the deepest rooted in the world. Let me tell you one thing that I found out just this morning while looking back over redwoods that I didn't know then. It says, the coastal redwood forests are so dense that the amount of plant matter or the biomass is several times more than even in the tropical rainforest. I rem what that made me think of is I remember seeing ferns look just like ferns you hang from your front porch, and they were as big as a third of this stage, spread out around the trees. It was like looking in a prehistoric movie. Everything in those forests is giant, not just the trees. When I read that, the amount of plant matter or biomass in the coastal redwood forest is several times more than in the deepest tropical rainforest. So the soil where you are planted does matter. One old coast redwood, listen to this, has an, one tree has enough wood in that one tree to make 20 three-bedroom houses. Oh, that ain't enough. But a giant sequoia which is actually bigger than the coastal redwoods, has twice that amount of wood. One tree, one sequoia redwood, has enough wood in that one tree to build 40 three-bedroom homes. That's insane. Are y'all with me? Watch this. The General Sherman tree is what it's known as. Has 600,000 board feet, and the truck itself weighs nearly 3 
million pounds. Now, the incredible thing about that is when you think about a skyscraper, you, you, you know, if you don't know this, let me tell you, when you see a skyscraper that's 100 stories tall, you would be shocked how deep the foundation is. Some of the time, it's, it matches one-to-one. Sometimes it's one-to-half. To so in other words, it's going to be at least 50 stories, 25 stories deep of concrete if you've got 100, 120 stories high above the ground. Okay? So when you understand that premise, you think of a giant sequoia, giant redwood, their roots have got to be 7,500 feet deep. But I found out something about the redwoods that changed my life, and that was this. Being rooted is not just about how deep you go. Being, root, being rooted is about how far you go. It's interesting to me that the average height of a man is six feet. It's interesting to me that when someone dies, we bury them the depth of our average height, six feet. It's also interesting to me that the average depth of a giant redwood's roots is six feet deep. 250, 300 feet high. And the depths is six feet. But the interesting thing is they go out hundreds and hundreds of feet. In fact, it is believed that every tree in the redwood forest, you can't even separate their roots from the other trees. They have gone out so far within the, within the redwood forest and touched and agreed with the next one for so long that it is believed that they're all fused together, that every root of every redwood tree is fused into the root of another redwood tree. And it is believed that the reason they have stood through hurricanes and storms and earthquakes for thousands of years is because every tree looks like it's standing on its own. And every tree has depth. But the reason they survive is because they no longer think about just themselves. They think about community. They think about gathering. They think about the forest, not just the tree. So when the storms come and the winds blow, they all blow together. And when one of them's not as big as the other one, you ain't got nothing to worry about because the other one's got, I got you. I got you. When the church reopens its doors, man, the days of it all about you have got to be over. Put your roots down. Go deep. But go out. That's how the church grew. That's how the church survived persecution. As they met house to house. They broke bread together. They did life together. I want you to know something. As long as I preach, you might be shocked to know that I didn't preach everything I wanted to preach today. But I feel led of the Holy Ghost to stop right now and tell you. I know you feel alone. I know you feel hopeless. I know it feels like there's no way you're going to come out of this situation. 
And I know it sounds clicheous and almost like a televangelist for me to do what I'm about to do, but I feel led, God, to do this for you. I want to stretch my hand towards you. I want you to know right there where you're at. I'm hooking my faith up with your faith. Solid Rock, everybody that's watching on online campus, stretch your hands towards that screen. Lock your faith with them right now. There are people watching right now that are about to lose everything. We got to hold them up. We got to fuse our roots to theirs. We got to become a forest right now. We're going to survive this storm together. If that's you, you feel hopeless, why don't you cry out to God right now? Just, just, just cry. Just say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I can't make it without you another day. Jesus, forgive me of every sin I've ever committed in my life. Jesus, I want to be rooted in you, God. I'm coming home, Jesus. I'm coming. I'm putting my roots down in you, Jesus. You're going to sustain me through this storm, Jesus. Father, right now, as I stretch my hands towards them, I pray for them, God. I lift them up. I believe, God, right now, that you are nourishing them, that even now they feel the rivers of living water, that they just feel the joy of the Lord coming upon them. God, the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, give them peace, God. Give them peace to come out of nowhere. It doesn't make sense that they could have peace right now. But God, let them just feel an unexplainable peace. Hey, glory to God. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Just minister to them right now, God. Let them know, God. Their bodies are healed. Their minds are whole, God. Father, the spirit of fear is broken right now. That sickness has to go by the stripes of Jesus Christ. We bind that devil right now. We take authority over that demon of depression. Command that demon of depression to go. Stupid devil, we speak joy in the name of Jesus right now. In the name of Jesus. Joy in that home joy in that marriage. We pray God restore that marriage. Heal that marriage. Bring that child home. Restore that family, God. Lord, we pray for their finances, God. They will not lose their home. They will not lose their job. We thank you, Lord. In the name of Jesus. If that was you, you don't have to tell us your details. Just shoot us a comment. Comment on that Facebook. Comment on that YouTube let us know it was me you prayed for me pastor it was me or just say I gave my life to Jesus today or just say I put my roots down in Jesus today ever how you want to say it let us know that you made that decision today let us know that you that you came home that you came out of darkness and you came back into light let us know let us know we want to rejoice with you we want to rejoice with you we give you praise Church, could you just praise God right there where you're at for the lives that's been changed, for the lives that's been touched. Oh, the roots go deep in this house. Oh, praise God. They're so deep they go through the airways. They go through the Internet. We're all hooked up together. We're one big family. But oh, what a joyous occasion it's going to be. And I walk to the edge of that platform and I look at every one of these sections. I see those smiling, beautiful faces. But we'll never be the same, church. 
and the doors of the local church are opened again. You got to come in with a different mentality. It's not about us. It's about others. It's not about the tree. It's about the forest. Is it you? Did you pray that prayer? Praise God. Brittany, Brittany just rededicated their life. Come on, somebody. Brittany said that we just pray for. Can we give praise for, for Brittany right now? Oh, thank God, Brittany. So thankful for what God is doing in your life, Brittany. You're growing stronger. You're stronger than you ever thought you ever could be. I'm telling you, it's time for you to start seeing yourself as a mighty woman of God. No matter what's been said about you or done about you, that person is gone. That person is dead. You've been made new. That's who you are. Trinity, Trinity says that she needs prayer. Father, we just pray for Trinity right now, God. We just thank you, Lord, that whatever the situation is right now, God, we pray. She, she needed that prayer. She said she needed that prayer. We just thank God we come in agreement with what you were believing God for, Trinity. It is done. Just say it right now, Trinity. It is done. I'm, my faith is with you. My faith is with you. A few more seconds. If anybody wants to give the Lord a praise, let us know so that we can praise, with, praise God with you live. If not, and you're watching this later, praise God, Rebecca. Oh, Rebecca. Rebecca Owens, I love you. You know I love you, daughter. She said it was her. She said it was me, Pastor. That was her comment. It was me. Nobody knows what you've gone through, Rebecca. Nobody but God and you. Strengthen Becca right now. Touch her right now, God. Give her hope. Give her hope. Mike Ramos, thank God. He says, I'm setting my roots in Jesus. Praising God with you right now, Mike. Oh, you'll never be the same, Mike. You'll never be the same. They're going deep. Your life has been changed, Mike. Praise God. Praise God. Even after we go off the air, keep those comments coming. Our people of our church, our, our people in our media, media team will go back and monitor these comments and we will get them. They will make sure they get them to me. But more importantly, we, you're giving praise to God and we're rejoicing. We're rejoicing. We're rejoicing. I want to go back real quick to you, Becca. Holy Spirit is, is speaking to me to tell you something, Becca. You cannot change what has happened. But you can be determined who you're going to be from this point forward. Look around you. you still got so many that's looking to you. Even when you don't feel the strength, you got a family and a church family that is connected with you and hooked up with you. You're going to feel strength today that you have not felt in a long time.